for most people, the internal set of rules is not very favorable to winning this game, this succeeding in life game. Because the rules are things like money is hard to make. Yep. You have to work hard for your money. You know, time is money. So the only way to make money is to exchange your time for it. And these are all commonly used phrases in totally. our culture. So they are continuously reinforcing They're, these beliefs. They are programmed into us from an early age. This is Ezra Firestone from smartmarketer.com. And you're listening to my friend, Ash Roy, on the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello, I'm Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com and the host of the Productive Insights Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Premium Productivity Course, which you can access by going to www.premiumproductivity.com. This course is a five-step framework that will free you from the daily grind and save you up to a day a week if you apply the principles correctly. It's all about focusing on the things that matter. It's built around the idea that productivity is not about getting more done in less time, but rather about doing less. It's about doing the right things at the right time in the right sequence. So head over to premiumproductivity.com and grab a very limited time founder member discount by using the code FEEDBACKNOVEMBER in the checkout page. And that's FEEDBACKNOVEMBER all in one word. This discount is available for a very limited time. And once it's gone, it's gone. So I hope you take it up. It's about a 60% discount off the original price and is specifically offered to founding members in exchange for their feedback. Once you give us your feedback after having purchased this course at a discount, we will even give you the next iteration of the course, which we will build off the back of your feedback at no additional cost to you. So once again, head over to premiumproductivity.com, use the discount code FEEDBACKNOVEMBER, all one word, and grab yourself a 60% discount on this course price for a very limited time. Now, this episode is with a dear friend of mine, Julie Cairns, and it's all about mindset. Julie talks about how she used her mindset to turn her business around from being $3 million in debt, all of which was due immediately, to having $3 million cash in the bank. In the first part of this two-part conversation, which you can access at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 148, Julie shares her backstory, which is fascinating. Her family was very wealthy. They had two private planes and they went from that position of wealth to being bankrupt. And then Julie went on to inadvertently repeat these patterns in her own life, which she eventually detected around the age of 40. She then corrected these patterns and she was able to effect permanent change in her business, in her relationship to money and in her life. So if you haven't already heard part one, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because it is a fascinating backstory and it really sets the scene for this second part. Now in the second part of this two-part conversation, which you can access at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 149, Julie talks about the specific three-step process she used to change her mindset and to effect this 
$6 million turnaround. I think the content is fantastic. I won't hold you back from it any further. I'll let you judge for yourself. Here is Julie Cairns in part two of this two-part conversation. I sincerely hope you enjoy it. So that was a $6 million turnaround in four years. Right. And I completely attribute that to mindset. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about the how then. How did you take it from the three million in debt to three million in the black? Can you break down a process for our listeners? Sure. I mean, there were lots of things to it. Um, Basically, you know, there was securing alternative sources of finance that were not banks. Uh So there was a little bit of that. Um, About three quarters of a million dollars we managed to secure from other sources. Uh, There was rescheduling debt from Uh that, you know, creditors, I mean, creditors, at that time, we're, we're happy to get their money back. <laughs> but we actually offered them their money back plus 15%. Um, and we did fulfill on that if they would just extend the time frame for us. Right. So just going into negotiations with a, with a solution, with a positive mindset, hey, we're going to pay you back. And right. at that time, people were really happy to be getting paid back. Right. You know, and a lot just- of people... You just said something very important. You said going into it with a positive mindset. Now, if you didn't have a positive mindset, it would not have occurred to you to go to them with that proposition of I'll give it to you with 15% interest. Although if you think about it in retrospect, it makes perfect sense because what were their options really? I mean, you were going to go bankrupt and they just didn't get any money back or they just extended the debt. And they got 15% more back. So there's no no real choice. But the point is that if you had a negative mindset, you'd have just thrown up your hands and gone, oh, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm $3 million in debt. I'm just going to declare bankruptcy. And you start to to give energy to that reality. Whereas when you insisted on a more positive mindset and a positive outlook, you then gave energy to the alternative reality that I can dig myself out of the show. It's not going to be easy, but yeah. it can be done. And here yeah. is a way. Yeah. And another thing we did was go back to well, what is it that our clients have been asking for for years that we haven't given them? Mm-hmm. Um, and in our case, it was an intensive 12-month coaching program. Yeah. And so we just launched that product. And went, okay, well, we're going to step up. And there were reasons why we hadn't wanted to do it in the past, but we went, all right, now's the moment. We're going we're gonna to do this intensive coaching program. And it brought in a whole bunch of revenue. So what so were the reasons you didn't want to do it? And what was the reason now that you were willing to do it, that 12-month program? The reason we hadn't wanted to do it in the past was mainly just the intensity of it. Like it, re- right. it represented a lot of work right, right. for us and our team. And we were already traveling all over the country doing seminars and live events and all that sort of thing. So um, it just was something that previously we felt like we just didn't have the bandwidth for, but we dug deep because we were in a crisis situation and we went, all right, we're going to do this Yeah. and we're going to over deliver. Because you were committed to a positive outcome and you weren't going to give in to the the bankruptcy option. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And then the other thing we did was uh, we released a whole new product, training product, which was looking at, well, what is the new reality of the markets? And Mm -hmm. at that time, markets were very volatile. That was the new reality. 
And there are certain strategies in trading that you can use that are brilliant in a volatile market. Okay. And so we released a training course about how can you not only survive but thrive in your trading in a volatile market. And okay. people loved it. So we sold truckloads of that product. So was that including things like, say, short selling and those kinds of strategies? or Yeah, it was option writing. Um, okay. Yeah, and using both leverage and option writing, but that's getting into the technicalities of it. Okay. You know, we we taught fairly sophisticated stuff, yeah. but we taught it to people uh, who, you know, didn't have financial market degrees. Right, really, right. it was designed for people... Uh, anyone could learn what we taught. We would just basically essentialize it and systemize it. Sure. And yeah. So all that added up to a $6 million turnaround in four years. Um, Amazing. So, but every one of those things, you know, being creative enough to come up with a new product, having a positive enough mindset to, you know, come up with a creative solution to the rescheduling of the debt. Um, being willing to dig deep with respect to, you know, what we offer our clients. All of that you can track back to your mindset. Are you in a frame of mind that is expansive and solution-oriented, or are you in a frame of mind that is contracted about fear and scarcity and about, you know, being overwhelmed? And Mindset is what makes the difference between those two states of, of mind, so especially does, in a crisis. Absolutely. So how does one who has a tendency to have the contracted mindset develop the tendency to have the more expanded outlook and have a spaciousness around their thinking to be able to be more creative, to be biased yeah. towards a more positive outcome rather than feel drawn towards a negative outcome. Yeah. Well, I think, again, it, it really comes down to your belief framework. So uh, one of the analogies I like recently is, you know, life is kind of like a board game, right? Yeah. And with every board game comes a set of rules, and the rules kind of determine the gameplay. You know, they determine whether it's challenging, they determine whether it's frustrating, they determine whether it's easy to win or hard to win. Yeah. And like that, most of us have an internal set of rules. And for most people, the internal set of rules is not very favorable to winning this game, mm -hmm. uh, this, you know, game of life, I suppose, this succeeding in life game. Because the rules are things like, Money is hard to make. Yep. You have to work hard for your money. You know, time is money. So the only way to make money is to exchange your time for it. Um, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Right. So like it's like some kind of closed club. And if you're not in, you're out. And that's how it is forever. You know, there's no way in. And these are all commonly used phrases in totally. our culture. So they are continuously reinforcing They're, these beliefs. They are programmed into us from an early age um money is easy come easy go mm. more money more problems so money comes with if you get more money it comes with dramas it mm. comes with you know complexity it comes with hassle um money won't make you happy 
Mm. A lot of people have that programmed. I think that this this was what undid my parents, is they really expected money to make them happy. Well, and when money, they, money alone won't make you happy, but right, I right. think money is important it, for happiness it, in today's world. The thing is that the subconscious mind is very... Mm, it's almost like, you know, in computer coding, you have to be very specific. Yes, right? I agree. Yes, right, right. It's not like it, it encourages range of subtlety, right? <laughs> yeah. So the subconscious is like that. It's like it is our automated system, yeah. right? So one little bit of miscoding yes. can have terrible consequences, just like a bug in a, in a yeah, software yeah. program, right? And so money won't make you happy, right? How do, how do you code that? Yeah. Do you code that as... It takes more than just money to make you happy. No, that's you don't. quite that's quite subtle. Yes. Or do you code it as money not equal happy? Yes, because the brain <laughs> that, that's right because my brain kind of automatically leans towards well money won't make you happy means money will make me unhappy. But that's not right. at all what that phrase is saying. No, that's not what it's supposed to be, but it's miscoded yeah, often. I and totally so agree. it's a bit like saying don't think of a pink elephant. You, know, <laughs> you are going to think of the pink elephant. Right. If instead you said, think of a beautiful blue sky, your mind is going to hear blue sky and think. Yeah. So these miscodings happen all the time. And yeah. the other thing to understand is that we take these things in when our brains are developing at a very young age. Mm. And if they go in the wrong way, well, they, we're not old enough to make those distinctions. Absolutely. You know, they just go in the wrong way. Yeah. And, the, and then... That plays out forever more yeah. unless you update the code, right? Which is that's why that's so vital. But anyway, so you know, money doesn't make you happy. I think was pretty critical to my parents' implosion because mm -hmm. uh, they kind of got to their dream, all of their dreams achieved by the age of forty, and well, it didn't happy. make them. It didn't <laughs> make them happy. Right, and then it's like. Oh, we've got no excuses now. Like we can't put our <laughs> happiness off to the future because we don't have this or we don't have that. Like you can say, oh, I'm not happy yet because I don't have the mansion or I'm not happy yet because I don't have the airplane. Or, But when they got all that stuff, it was like, oh, and I'm not happy and shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah. yeah. So then, then you're in a position of like stuffing down that uh-oh. Yeah. And I think they stuffed down the uh-oh uh with a whole bunch of alcohol Yeah, in their case. Gotcha. Yeah, because it was a bit of a crisis. Okay. Like, I don't know what to do. I got nowhere else to go. My belief system doesn't accommodate this. Now, the good news is the human brain, at least according to most recent studies, has a lot of plasticity. So, uh, you know, we can adapt. That said, it's a lot easier to be born and raised around better messaging uh, then mm. try and change the messaging later in your life. But hey, let's yeah. face it, we're all, we've all got what we've got. And if you're listening to this episode, you've got a certain mindset. I think the first step really is to try and become self-aware and recognize yes. patterns. And I've talked Absolutely. a lot about mindfulness in previous episodes, and maybe I'll link to a few of them in the articles about it. Uh, in fact, our common friend Sonia Simone just liked an article I wrote on mindfulness, which I was very chuffed about. Yeah, awesome. Um, <laughs> totally. Awareness is the first step. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's actually a method for reprogramming your subconscious beliefs. So, so this stuff that. is not set in stone by any means, but it is set in stone until you recognize you've got it. Mm. 
right? right? Like if you're not even aware that you have this problem, yeah. then you're not going to do anything about it. Exactly. It takes a certain amount of humility, perhaps, and a little bit of being able to step back to become self-aware. And I've been practicing mindfulness on and off for several years. And while it's very simple, it is not easy. And yes. the main reason it's not easy is because you need to keep remembering to be self-aware, which can yeah. be a bit of a challenge. That said, yeah. uh, the way in which I practice it is to try and be aware of my breath and use it as an anchor almost and watch my thoughts, but not to the point where I can't function, but more yeah. use your breath as an opportunity, as a, as a trigger to remind yourself to be aware. And the other interesting thing with the breath that a lot of Eastern philosophies believe in is that the breath is very intimately related to the mind. And so when your mind is agitated, your breath is shallow and fast. And when your breath is deep and slow, your mind tends to be calmer. So the key here is you can regulate your mind to some extent with your breath, which is why when we yeah. take three deep breaths, the mind tends to calm down. You're making me want to breathe deeply. <laughs> And, and it, I mean, there's physiological reasons behind this yeah. too. I mean, you're driving more oxygen sure. to the brain, you're creating, yeah. you know, more blood flow and so on. So mm. I think that that is a great first step to become yeah. more mindful. Maybe I'll just like go over what are the three key steps to yes, believe please. change. Please, yes. So the first step is to identify the belief. And so this is where mindfulness comes in. Mm -hmm. And this is actually the hardest step for a lot of people. So... That's where I wanted to make a contribution to the literature um, mm -hmm. because there was a lot of literature around, you know, how do you reprogram your beliefs once you know what they are. Yeah. But there wasn't a lot of, of content around how do you figure out what they are. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it is actually the hardest step. So, so that's why I wrote my book, The Abundance Code, which is a, how to bust the seven money myths for a rich life now. Right. And the seven money myths are what I was able to identify through my work with clients, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, my own personal experiences. These are the top seven beliefs that most people have okay. regarding money, success, wealth, deservingness, all of those issues. They're all tied up into this because money is a little bit of a proxy for what we feel we deserve sure. to receive in life. Yeah, so there's many layers to it. Could you share those and, seven myths with us? Sure. Um, the very first one, I'll share. I might not be able to get through all seven in okay. the time that we've got, but certainly the core ones, the very core belief uh, that is at the heart of all seven, really, this is what I call the origin belief of this kind of belief system, mm -hmm. is the belief in scarcity. So that's mm -hmm. the belief that says there is not enough there's not enough to go around. Mm -hmm. There's, if, if I'm going to get enough, that means somebody else is going to not get enough. Right. And so this kicks up a whole system of competition, mm -hmm. of jealousy, of envy. All those emotions are associated with this underlying belief that basically there's not enough to go around. And right. the pie is fixed. There's no way we're growing the pie, or some people even believe that the pie is shrinking. <laughs> and so, well, like, isn't it fixed though, Julie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't help but ask that. 
maybe we're picking up on something here, but um, we we might be. <laughs> here, let me ask you a question. Yeah, go for it. All right. Let, well, let's just look at technology. Now we're stepping into stage two, actually. Okay. okay. So let's do it for for scarcity. The belief that there is not enough to go around. And this, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Waste not, want not. They all tie into that belief. Yeah. Those those sayings. So. Let's just take a counterexample. This is step two. Step two to belief change is identify it and then weaken it. Okay, yep. So how you weaken it, one way you can weaken it is just argue the counter case. Uh-huh. Is it true all the time? Is it true for everyone? That's a great has it point. Always, has it always been true for me even? And it's not true all the time. And actually, let me just clarify what I meant when I said, is the pie fixed? I was specifically thinking in terms of the four economic factors of production when when you said it. So, you know, what is it? Land, labor, capital, and enterprise. So I was thinking there are fixed amounts of those let except me, enterprise. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Economics is the science of managing scarce resources. Correct. Underneath Everything in economics is the assumption yes. of scarcity. Correct. There, that's an assumption. Yes. That doesn't mean it's a truth, but it is an assumption of that True. entire framework. Okay. So let's just argue against that. Okay. With one, one thing. Um, how much energy does the sun pump out and deliver to our planet every single day? I don't know how much, but I know it's a lot. What if we had a way, might be called solar cell technology, <laughs> of converting that sun energy into energy that we could use, you know, with, with very little waste? <laughs> what would that mean? Uh, <laughs> that would mean we, we have what we already have. Right. And what if the efficiency of that doubled every couple of years? Yeah, we've been in a pretty good place, at least energy-wise. Yeah. Do you know that that's already happening? Yes. Yeah. Does that mean we're in a fixed pie situation? Absolutely not. Okay. So there, there you go. You just completed step number two. <laughs> step number two is to insert doubt around the absoluteness of that belief. Yep. And you can do it any way you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Another way to do it, for example, it's not always something that you can attack with data, all right? But let's say you have a belief that I am not enough, because sometimes that's sitting underneath this belief of there is not enough. Sure. So that, that identity belief, I am not enough. I'm not okay just the way that I am. Um, one way that you can you can start to weaken that belief is to go, wow, if I was a little innocent child mm-hmm. of, say, three or four, and I remove myself to the position of, say, parent of myself as child, would I say to myself, you are not enough? No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. If I was my own mentor, would I say to me, you are not enough. No, no way. If I was Gandhi, would I say to me, you are not enough? No. 
was Gandhi not enough? Even though he never, you know, used violence, he, ne- you know, he changed an entire, the entire course of history for a country. Yeah. Well, he also changed the approach to what is traditionally called war, right? He started a, right. a different kind of war, which was non-cooperation and non-violent movement. Right. So, yeah. Would he say you are not enough? No. So we can do things like that. We can, we can pull ourselves out to a different perspective, a more compassionate perspective than the one we often hold ourselves in and go, is this what I would teach a child? Hmm. Is this what my mentor would teach me? Is this what a spiritual leader would teach me? Right. And often we can break it down that way. Okay, great. So, so that's step two. That's step two weakening. Step three is uh, overwriting. Uh-huh. So we identify what the false belief was, or the limiting belief maybe is a better way to put it. And we identify that, actually, that's not helpful for me to believe. And it's not even true. You know, so you'd go through the weakening process. And then the third step is to go, well, what would be helpful for me to believe? What's a belief that would support me in right. achieving what it is that I want to achieve in my life? And, for example, I have to work hard for my money. Does that help me? No, that locks me into a prison where I have to work hard yeah. all the time. Is that the life that I want? No. Well, no. Most or that don't. time is money. That means yeah. you have to now, you're not, only, not only do you have to exchange your time for money, you're limited to 24 hours of earning money right. in a day. Because that is... That ain't a belief. That's a fact. <laughs> There's only 24 hours. No, in a what day. I mean is, if you're assuming that you have to exchange <laughs> yes. your time for money, then you the have belief to, is the assumption that you have to. Yeah, yeah. But if you believe that you, with information products, for yeah. example, you can make money, you're off the time for money treadmill. Sure. Which is or recurrent revenue, right. recurrent revenue models, and you know passive income strategies exactly you can disconnect or even having employees mm. you know you're leveraging other people's time investing you're right lots of ways to disconnect from the time is money prison mm. uh, but you're not going to if you don't believe you can sure so so what would be a better belief you know a better belief for example for time is money is you know i i can earn money without having to put much time into it. Hmm. I can have lots of money flowing into my life from relatively little effort. Just coming back quickly to the overwriting process, because we're not quite done with that. You, you want to overwrite. So you decide, what's your new belief? So then how do you put it in? And here's one simple technique that uh, works really well. And it's called the sleepy mind technique. So you take your new belief statement. You've already done steps one and two. That's really important. You've already identified the the limiting belief. You've already weakened it. And then you've identified what you want to put in in its place. You write it on a card. Mm -hmm. You place it next to your bed. Mm -hmm. When you're going to sleep, when you're groggy, when you're drifting off, the, the veils are parted more at that time there's more direct access to the subconscious mind at that time Hmm. pick up the card say it out loud repeat it to yourself two or three times put the card down go to sleep wake up in the morning you're still groggy first thing you do is you pick that card up and you repeat it to yourself two or three more times and then you get up and get on with your day uh do that for a week and you'll make a huge amount of progress on that belief 
So there's so much fantastic information you've given us. I'm going to actually try and summarize this, uh, summarize the conversation and then bring it into the action steps section of this conversation. So we started off by talking about your journey and that alone was fascinating. You shared a lot of stuff that I didn't know actually. All that stuff. I didn't know you guys owned planes. That's amazing. And then we talked about your own journey and how you kind of tended to recreate that trauma that you experienced earlier on in your life in your business and interestingly enough found yourself at a similar point at the age of 40 where your parents were in terms of bankruptcy and so on and that then led to your discovering the framework and really becoming aware of these seven money myths that tend to tend to disrupt a lot of our lives, which you saw through your company, Trading Pursuits. And the underlying theme below all of those seven money myths was the idea that resources are limited and scarce, which interestingly, I too kind of found I was leaning towards as well. So that brings us to our three steps to changing your beliefs. The first step is to identify your belief. So let's say the belief is... Um, that you don't think you're enough. So you identify the belief and you say, okay, I'm aware of the fact that I'm, I'm seeing patterns in my life where I'm showing signs of thinking that I'm not enough. My behavior seems to indicate that I keep questioning my value and my abilities. And the, one of the ways to do that, to identify that belief, is to use mindfulness and start practicing it. And I'll link to some mindfulness content in the show notes of this episode. The second step is to then weaken that belief after having identified it. So if you've identified I'm not enough is a belief that is in some way inhibiting you, you say, okay, now let's question that belief. Why do I think I'm not enough? Um, what evidence can I find to challenge that belief that I'm not enough? It might have been that you helped somebody earlier in the day, or you might have done something good in your life, every one of us has. Uh, you've accomplished something, you've faced some kind of adversity and triumphed over, over it. Whatever it is, you question it. And then the third step is to override that technique. And it's what you call the sleepy mind technique. And the simple, easy way to do it, you write it down on a note. I, I like the idea of using a, one of these um, system cards, which I'm holding up on the screen. Uh, you can get those bigger ones from Officeworks here in Australia and you can stick it next to your bed and you make sure you read it as you're falling asleep in that groggy phase. And then again, as you're waking up, you read it two or three times. Yeah. Anything else you would suggest? Yeah, well, I think um, I would suggest that people read my book, which isn't a shameless plug for my book. It's no. really, I think it makes a significant contribution in terms of those seven beliefs that hold most people back. I know you're a big fan of productivity and the 80-20 rule. Yeah. I would say that this is the 80-20 rule for beliefs nice. because most people have um, most people have all of the seven. Many people have some of the seven. Interestingly, in my case, um, because I had grown up wealthy, I didn't have some of the early beliefs that hold people back from even manifesting wealth into their life in the first place, right? So I didn't have that barrier. I'd already experienced wealth. I already knew it was totally possible. 
So I, I believed in that already. Yes. What I had was the one that, that said every time you, you accumulate wealth, you'll lose it. Yes. And also when you get when you're riding high in wealth, your personal life starts falling apart. So those were those were the ones that were tripping me up in a really bad way. Um, so at, at any rate, identifying the top seven beliefs that are holding you back is is eighty or ninety percent of the battle. So right. so the book helps you do that. The book takes you through the counter argument process. So the, yeah. the book does step one. For those top seven beliefs, the book does step two mm-hmm. for those st- top seven beliefs, and then the book takes you through seven different ways you can overwrite the sleepy mind method, being just one of those seven techniques. Okay, now you've written so, two books. So this book is called The Abundance Code, and where can people get this book? On Amazon. Okay. Uh, it was published by Hay House. Okay. So it's available on Amazon, uh, Kindle, or paperback. Um, from most good online booksellers. Yeah, okay. it came out a couple of years ago, so it might not still be on shelves yep. in bookstores, but can definitely get it on Amazon. And then there's that awesome documentary as well. Yeah, after I wrote the book, I wanted to um, do a documentary that kind of showcased 15 different stories of people who I know who have moved from the scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And the the abundance mindset has specific characteristics. One of the characteristics is that people are not competitive when they reach that mindset. They're more collaborative okay. and very generous and, you know. Um, but there are a lot of characteristics. And I wanted to uh, make a documentary showing all these different stories of how different people made that shift in their lives. Because there's not one way to make a shift there's many different ways everybody's on their own sort of a hero's journey and so i wanted to show a lot of inspirational stories of people some people i interviewed had been homeless uh one guy was involved in a street gang and these are people who are like luminaries now who are visionaries in this in this area uh so some people have had incredible transformations in their life through transforming their mindset around abundance. So how does one get access to the documentary? Well, you can go to theabundancecode.com and on that site you can uh, opt in to watch the first 10 minutes of the film and then basically you can decide if you'd like to purchase the film. Perfect. Okay, well, I'll add a link to that in the show notes as well. I also write a blog about abundance, which can be accessed from theabundancecode.com. Okay, cool. So we'll put a link to theabundancecode.com, the blog, so they can access both the documentary and the blog at theabundancecode.com. Right. The The opt-in is on the homepage. And if you go up to the menu, then you can, on the top right corner of the page, you can access the blog. Well, my last two questions are normally, what books do you recommend and why? And we've already answered that. We've already got the two books. (laughs) And the other one was going to be, how do people find out more about you? And we've answered that too. Is there any other website that you would like to recommend people check out besides theabundancecode.com? Sure. Um, if, If you want to understand more about the seven money myths specifically, you're specifically interested in the book, then you can go to theabundancecodebook.com and there's a series of five free videos available there. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and I would love to have you back. Thank you. Well, that was the end of part two of the two-part series with Julie Cairns. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can actually access the video version of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just head over to youtube.com forward slash Productive Insights and you should be able to find the video conversation with Julie Cairns on there. I'm recording this episode on the 23rd of November 2017. Don't forget to go and grab your $300 discount on the premium productivity course. Just head over to premiumproductivity.com and use the discount code FEEDBACKNOVEMBER and grab yourself a founding member discount available for a very limited time. Thanks for listening and talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 